Chance Podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today's a really special episode. A couple reasons. One, I never drank coffee before I've ever done one of these. Two, I have no questions written down in front of me. I always have questions, but because I've known this guy for over 30 years, everything's going to flow. I've already done an interview with him once over the phone, but I hate the way it sounds. He just moved out here, which is wonderful. And this will actually come out tomorrow. First time I've ever done a podcast the day before and dropped it. Um, there was some sound issues with the one over the phone. And it's important to have this episode out because it's part of the New York City chapter. Welcome yeah. to the podcast, Brian. Hey, how you doing, Toby? You fuck. <laughs> fuck uh, you. You may know Brian from Black Train Jack, Nine Lives, and just being an awesome human. And how we met, we'll get into that later. But we're going to rewind my friend's life right now and go to the beginning. Um, Brian, you were born in uh, Queens, New York. Correct? I was born on Long Island. Oh, in, shit. In, in 1969. Okay, yeah. you're giving out rage now, too. Yeah, well, it's okay. okay. You know, we're looking pretty good. Yeah. So you're born in Long Island. What part of Long Island? In Plainview. Right. Town of Oyster Bay. Sick. Um, so how long did you live in uh, Long Island? I for? never did. We lived in Queens. Okay. So but moved. that was, I guess, that's where the OBGYN was that caught me when I shot out. But I didn't come out the normal way anyway. That's why my head's shaped all fucked up. I so, was so born cesarean. cesarean. You, oh, shit. Wow. But I can't, okay. like, my head... I look kind of, you see my, I look like an alien. You have a good head though. I got, I got a, I got like an extra chunk on the back because it, it, I, I assume that it's because in the birth canal, your head you know, it becomes like pointy and then it yeah. goes back to normal. So that didn't happen to me. So I can't wear like, so I can't wear, that's why I, I have a thin face. I can't you do the wear with hats on. I can't wear hats. Okay. I can't wear hats. If I had to wear like motorcycle helmet, I have to take a, hammer and like squish in the front and the back so it would fit on my weird head and then wow. put extra padding in the side I've, so well, luckily you have a good hairline a good head of hair i do have a good head of hair so you never really need hats I, um but i like hats so ah, anyway so you have brothers and sisters nope okay single child o- only guys like yourselves that are my brothers from other mothers exactly so you moved to queens i've lived in queens my whole life i lived in queens and then that's pretty much everything so how was growing up for you? We had a strict household. You guys religious? No, single, single parent. My mom raised me. She was a teacher and, you know, she did an awesome job. I think other people might think she completely failed because if you look at me, this guy's an asshole, but I think she did a great job. And, uh, Whitestone Queens, nice is kind of, kind of suburban, even though it's New York, it's like right at the edge of yeah. New York city. But, um, you know, and other guys lived out there would know to get, to get into the city, man, it was a hell mission. You're taking the Q15 bus, the entire route it was like 45 minutes, like Mike would tell you. Yeah. And and then the seven train all the way in, they have to have hop on the R or something to go downtown to the shows. Okay. Before the shows, before the shows, how was it growing up? How was it growing up then? Like, like it was, it was okay. I was always a little guy. I never played sports. I always got, I got picked on and made fun of, but it was all right. Yeah. Brian's, you know? if you've never seen Brian, he's, he's a shorter man, but he's a very strong man. So it's never your size. Cause Brian is, uh, it's not size. It's your he's heart. A badass. But you're not that much taller. I mean, it's not I'm like, not, you know, I'm a, lot taller. a giant among um, men. And I'm a lot younger too. <laughs> like, I can't see up your nose. I'm a lot younger. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of days. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, so school, how were you in school? I, I did okay in school. I loved science and stuff. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I was, you know, even though like nerd stuff now is cool, I was a constant nerd. Like first day of school, I'd wear a shirt and tie and a sweater, listen to classical music, play Dungeons and Dragons, and that's okay. I did it then, and I got picked up, picked on, and stuff thrown at me and everything, but it's all right. So, so 
in school, how were you? So that that was when you were younger. I was not a cool kid in school. Okay. Not at all. And I'm glad now because. So, but, you, but you had good uh, grades. You loved school. No, you know, I had I I had pretty good grades, but I also got distracted really easily. Yeah, me too. So, you know, I think if they had ADHD diagnosed then, it would be, it would, to me, it was the par- the teacher was just like, if only he would focus. If yeah. only he well, would pay attention. And they yeah. had Ritalin. I think my mom tried to give me Ritalin once because being hyperactive. I know no such thing as Ritalin. Back in the Stone Age when I was around, because you were, I mean, you're many days younger than me. So <laughs> yeah. they, did, they didn't have Ritalin in my in time. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you're in school. Um, yeah. Are you starting to meet people who are kind of like you? Like you hang out with other nerds? No, I, yeah. So I had, I had a core group of friends from when I was little. And one of them, this kid Morgan, was always the one who was a little bit more into cool stuff right yeah. so you know i didn't i listened to whatever was on i didn't know i, I did like elton john when i was little yeah, and, he's cool. and certain you know certain things um but then you know he was the one who's like yo man you should listen to led zeppelin okay. black sabbath I'm like okay and you listen to that and it's just when it clicks it clicks right and yeah. it was like this is the best and so he, he was like, without having an older brother to introduce me to stuff, yeah. he was the guy that introduced me to stuff. So first we got into like classic rock, you know, ACDC and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. And then he started to get more into metal. And I never, I didn't really follow him into the whole metal thing, yeah. but I still liked the rock. But then the, the, the pivotal moment there was he started getting into hardcore and he gave me the Skins, Brains and Guts EP. Seven seconds. And that was, that was it. That was it. And how old, how old were you then? Oh man, when did that come out? I don't remember. Maybe one or two. I don't know. That yeah. So fourteen something. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it, was, it probably out for a little while. But yeah. anyway, so that was it. And, that, that was your first exposure to any type of punk rock music. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I know that I'd heard the Clash before, but I didn't it didn't click as to what I'm like. Yeah, this is great. I didn't know what it was. But seven you know, seconds, you physically seven saw seconds. the record, whatever, and all I, that I, shit. I had the record. It was it was the whole package, That's the right? Whole cover too, it was yeah. it was the cover. It was the lyrics. Because I was a I was a nice kid. I wasn't really angry at yeah. anything. Yeah, you know, I didn't like kids that picked on me and shit. But I was I'm a happy kid. I, yeah. I, you know, I have my friends and we have fun. And I read the lyrics. I was like, oh my god, this yeah. is fantastic. And then you know, and then that leads into, you know, you look at things and, oh, there's a picture of a kid wearing a Youth of Today shirt. Let me get Youth of Today album. What's and that? And they're actually local boys. Oh my God, yeah. you know, and yeah. And, 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 and then, and yeah. then that's, that's how it all started. So you're like 12 years old. I was a, probably a little older. I probably like 14 or 15. Was there pressure around you at that time to try to start partying too? There were, most of the kids in our neighborhood were all like the full on like smoking, drinking, partying guys. Yeah. And, and Morgan was a little like that too, but that was just something that I just wasn't into. Just something I had a natural aversion to it. I didn't like cigarette smoke. I thought it was gross. And, you know. Did your parents smoke a drink? They did originally, you know, growing up. And then my mom quit, but I was, it was the most gross thing in the world. Yeah. And my, you know, and my parents were divorced and my dad would pick me up and he smoked like he was a chain smoker. And I, he picked me up in his car, and I have to sit in this car full of cigarettes. The worst, dude. And the he, windows I, are up too. Yeah, and it'd be like the winter. I'm like, please, I gotta roll down the window. And he'd let me roll Fucking it down brutal. like an inch, 
and I'd be like sitting there with my nose like a dog, my nose yeah. up to the window, like, oh, I gotta get fresh air. Oh, dude. It was brutal, and that just. And they used to do them on airplanes too. We used to smoke in planes. That's weird. My mom was smoking planes. You know, so so anyway, and they, kiss me with their wet <laughs> cigarette lips. It's so this, and it's like dude. like y- y- everything. It smells. Your clothes would smell like skin it. Skin smells like it, and people wear like, and then they wear like perfume, and it would Cover smell it like cigarette plus polo or yeah. cigarette, and <laughs> you know. Yeah. So disgusting. Anyway. So seven seconds. That's amazing because usually seconds. it's like you know, never mind the bollocks or fucking the Clash or Sex Pistols. I'm in the same band. Well, but yeah, but but I, you know, I I was following. I admittedly I followed Morgan's lead. I didn't right. have anyone to teach me. Like you know, yeah. So and, and also being a, a pretty good kid, I was like, this is great because. I don't want to be, you know, there, there, later on you get into the things, this is what I'm against, this is what I'm for. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, listen, I'm a happy, pretty positive kid. I like yeah. school. I like, you know. I like and, my parents. I like my parents, I like my parents you know, and, and, th- and this kind of reflects a lot of positivity. So mm-hmm. something I could say, hey, mom, look, you don't have to worry about me. I listen to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah, you must have been a skater too at that time, no? I, I started skating. I was never any good. I can't do, like, I could stand on a skateboard and move. I could make some turns. Yeah. Doing tricks was just never in my wheelhouse. Okay. I tried. No pun intended. Yeah, I never, never could do it. But I loved it. It was a huge part of growing up because it was a thing. It was, it was yeah. your life. It wasn't just. And then the punk and harder you know, was a soundtrack for it. That was it exactly. JFA came soon after. Sick. You know, big boys. The faction. All that stuff. Rad. Yep. Dude. And that was it. Style like thirteen aggression. There's so many that that you know like those bands and what they represented and you know, seven seconds all that stuff together. Like that was my idea of that is life. That is what mm-hmm. I want to do. You yeah. know. So so yeah. so did you do sports in school? Nope. I did them. I failed. Seven at seconds. Them. I hate sports. I, yeah, I <laughs> played. I played little league baseball once, and I was spurned from that because I was a catcher. Because I thought having the equipment was cool, so I'm like, I'm a catcher. I got this fucking stuff on me. <laughs> and we had to play in the summer one time, and I was sitting there. And for, so the guy who was the coach was a weird dude, and his son was the pitcher. This kid, this mean little bastard. And mm-hmm. I'm the catcher, so he would like purposely try to throw balls really fast that to hit sucks. me. And, and at one point we're playing in the summer, it's hot, it's dusty and I'm laying, I'm standing there and I'm sitting there and then it was switching batters. I'm like, Oh, I just laid down in the dirt because I was tired and I was like, like, Oh, just for a second. And the parents came running over cause they thought that I passed out, oh, but, shit. I, but I didn't, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then he got really mad at me because like, you made us think you were, what the I'm like, that's it. I'm out of here. I don't need this. Your son's an asshole. I'm gone. Damn. And I never played organized sports again. Ever. Nope. Wow. Little league. That was it. I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. yeah I wasn't yeah. good. I, you know, I was, I was smaller than most of the other kids and I didn't have the desire to do it. Yeah. You know, I tried, you know, sometimes hey, let's go play some football. Okay. And I'd get crushed. Uh, this is a lot of fun being on the so bottom that was of the un- underline. That was an underlying going theme pretty much as you were short and you got picked on for being short. It and was, you're, it, you're it a good was kid. you know, the thing is though, it's like, you know, you could be the short henchman, you know, or even the short mastermind like a Napoleon. But I was just a, I was the nerdy kid, yeah. you know. So it's like, oh, let's pick on him for this too. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. So, so what grade was that when you listened to Seven Seconds? It was probably in the begin. Probably it had to be like I guess it had to be like fifteen or sixteen because it was beginning of high school. Because yeah. I went to a science high school, and Morgan was in. He went to the High School of Art and Design okay. in Manhattan, and that's okay. that was a lot of, you know subculture influence there so that I got it from him he was like you know and he was almost a year older than me too okay so it's almost like you are to me wait is he August 
No, he's not. A couple of months. Okay. I'm, I'm wrong. But he was like the older brother. Okay. He got exposed to stuff first and found it, had the cool friends and introduced because yeah. he was an only child too. Okay. So, you know, he, that's how it worked out. So at that time, what were your goals in life and what were you trying to do after school? Did you think about the future at that point when you're that age? No. Okay. Not at all. I was, I was this loved, you know, yeah, I wanted to be a, a, a cleric in Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I, I, okay. It, it was fun, but. But, but this music opened you up, opened another door for you. Oh, totally did. I was like, this all is, the freaks and the weirdos. And well, that and skateboarding, the whole that yeah. whole lifestyle thing. Thank that, you, Bones Brigade. So, yeah. yeah. So then I've always been looking for Animal Chin. Um, <laughs> so th- that made that's what I started to really want to do. So the quickest way into it was I listened to the music and I started working at, at uh, Ninth Street Skateboards in Manhattan. Sick. I, that I would take all trains and, and I remember, you know what's crazy is I remember this little crew of kids used to hang out there and always want free stuff and one of them was Harold Hunter. Oh, wow. He was Rest there all peace. the time. Yeah, totally. Such, I mean, he was Holy so shit. incredible. And I remember, oh, shit, it's Harold again. You'd give him a deck, you'd give him stickers, whatever you could, you know? Damn. But yeah, he was really cool. So, so after the Seven Seconds record, did you go see your first show? Or did you get into more music then? Start listening to it at home, and then I'm gonna go to my first show. And no, what show I, was I, that? I listened to it at home and yeah. and stuff. You know, my first rock show was though. I what saw Queen. It? That's amazing. Yeah, Queen at Madison Square Garden. What year was that? That was Seven? I think it was '82. Wow. But it was the same one. I didn't. It was the same one that they talk about in the movie when all that crap happened to Bohemian Rhapsody. Got when, you. you. know. That's amazing. Yeah, Brian. I couldn't believe. Like that was just. And it was a total fluke. Who'd you that, go see that with? It was well. It was because I was in this camp. And they were supposed to take us. It was like this thing, you know. They would take you on day trips places. Yeah. So get the get the kids the hell out of the house. And they were supposed to take us to the beach, and it rained, so camp got canceled that day. They said, "Okay, we're gonna make it up to you." But we don't know how yet. And then they said, "Okay, well, we got tickets to to a concert." That's fucking crazy. And it was like, dude. okay, you know. It was Queen. It was Queen. Damn man. Billy Squire opened. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So that's your first concert. That was my first concert. Okay, yeah. so when did you finally go to your first punk show? I don't remember. You know what it was? No. I'd go with Morgan sometimes. Was like it we, we'd, we'd go downtown. It was at CB's, okay. yeah. But but you know, I don't even I don't that wasn't the that wasn't the thing that would that, that was the most impressionable on me. It was it was the music and you know the story behind, you know, you know, seven seconds and yeah. to today and gorilla like that stuff and and so it was more internal than external, right? Like I didn't, gotcha. I didn't go to shows and become part of the scene and blah, blah, yeah. I just, it was for me. Yeah. yeah when, when did you realize, when did you like connect to it? Like, holy shit, I'm like, I'm this age, I'm not doing drugs or alcohol and I like this crazy aggressive music and they're actually singing about things I can relate to as a kid and these guys don't party and that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So what, what was the, what was one of the staples? Like what record, what did that to you? Like really connected to you? Well, after, after the seven seconds, seven inch, uh, can't close my eyes. EP, today, yeah, you know, fucking classic. And, yeah, it was incredible. And you know, to me, you know, these guys were gods. You know, like, oh yeah. my god, these are. You know, but they're realizing they're really not much older than you. Yeah, you, it really made you feel like it's something you could be involved in. Part of, but but uh, yeah, that was that was it. But it wasn't. You know, I'd I'd go to shows, but it was like such an ass pain to get to shows. And I was, you know, I was going to school and I was working, yeah. so it wasn't. I couldn't just spend my life there. Yeah. You know, so every once in a while I'd go with Morgan and we would do stuff, but for the most part, it was just me listening to EPs and you'd, and then it, it was sitting that, in your room, checking the thank you list. Yeah. Just reading the lyrics and yeah, shit. And like, oh, who's this guy? And, and then you would, you know, they, they mention a band and then you'd go down and you'd, you'd go to Bleaker Bob's or wherever try and to try find to record. find that record and say, okay, if these are friends of these guys and they're cool. That was the most amazing part of before the internet 
is like that search, that treasure hunt to find records. And like they said, that guy's wearing like a, oh, he's wearing like a Youth of Today shirt on the record. What is that band? You couldn't yeah. Google it. Nope. You had to like somehow figure out how to find what that band was, what it meant. Maybe get a Maxim Rock and Roll fanzine where you saw the ad for a t-shirt. Yeah. Whatever. It was like crazy to find that and, stuff. And I remember I was in the city one time. I went in the city and I was just skating around. And I, and I didn't really know where to get records yet. Yeah. Like I just got stuff from Morgan. He made me a yeah. tape, you know, and I saw that EP. And I saw this kid, like two other kids skate by. And I didn't know him, but one of them was wearing, I caught a corner of my eye, he was wearing a Youth of Today shirt. Sick. I'm, I'm going to follow this kid around. So I followed him. For, and, 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 and they went to Bleaker Bob's. And I was like, oh, this, this is, is where you get stuff. Holy shit. Yeah. You found the great. hidden treasure spot. That's the amazing. Treasure. Yeah. So that's where it all began for that, like that's, getting shirts and all that. And did your parents know you listened to this? Because you say you listen to classical and just regular stuff before yeah. that. Were they kind of nervous or weirded out about this music at all? No. Well, then they heard it. But all they hear is... Yeah, they're like, uh-oh. But that's why. And the thing is, I love my mom to death, you know, and she sacrificed a whole lot. And you don't realize it when you're a kid. You just see your mom doing your thing. But I mean, not to becoming a parent. And then she went to graduate school to get her master's to get paid more as a teacher because teachers get paid crap anyway to do the best for me that she could. So I, I always wanted her approval on that stuff. And, you know, even though there was like profanity and stuff in the lyrics, it was like, uh, look, look how positive this is. Yeah. And she and she saw it. She was like, OK. Yeah. yeah. And, and not, if she said no, I wouldn't have stopped. But yeah, by the same token, I, it, I was like, oh, this is good. You know what? This is not going to piss off my mom. I don't want to piss off my mom. She got it hard yeah. enough. Yeah. You That's know? amazing because, you know, when people from the outside hear like that kind of music, it's always been an underlying going theme with most of my interviews with people from that scene is that. From the outside, it looks like a super violent, scary place. In reality, it's a fucking welcoming home, home totally. away from home. Mm -hmm. You know, and like most of the lyrics is super positive and inspiring. It's not saying go home and burn your fucking house down with your parents right. in it. You know what I mean? It's not like... Cause like I had, that's what I had to tell her. I was like, I was like, look, you know, because she'd hear it coming out of my room. I was like, my God, what are you listening to? It sounds so angry. I was like, it's not. It's, 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 it, it's expressing things in yeah. what may sound like an angry. It's very, very positive and a yeah. force for good and change. And here it is. Yeah. So, so when did you want to start playing music then, and like, and why, I, and why, and why the bass? I never had desire to start playing music. This is a good, this is a really good story. This is this is what really totally got me in. Go. You can you can be the and after all this you are got me drinking you coffee, you so are there. a professional podcaster. Yes, so you're judge. This is like the voice. <laughs> you're sitting. You can spin your seat Simon around. Cowell, let's hit go. the X. Let's hear the story. So, I went over to my friend Morgan's house, and I get in there, and I had recently gotten my first car. I saved up for it. My first car was a 1977. No, it was not a bitchin' Camaro. Okay. Do you want to tell the story? Tell it. Okay, well, because you're throwing in things. Listen, no. <laughs> you fucking told me I had to have coffee today. For people listening, I this did. is my third or fourth coffee of 2019. I hate coffee. It tastes disgusting. I'm fucking jittery as hell. It tastes disgusting. Evil, it tastes disgusting now, but eventually, no, it, you, your I'm taste a green buds. Tea motherfucker. You're a motherfucker. Okay, but anyway, let's go. all right, so. It was an orange Volkswagen camper bus. The thing was great. It felt like a bus driver Parchy sitting in it. It was awesome. No, not the... It's a VW bus. It's a flat front. You know, you ever see the VW bus? Scooby-Doo? No. That's, that's the mystery machine. All right, whatever. No. Let's keep going. For most of the people out there, you'll know what a Volkswagen camper bus looks like. Yeah, I'm anyway, not a car person. No, he's not. Anyway, so I walk into Morgan's house, and this mutual friend of ours, Mike who I knew was in a band. Mike Patton. Mike Patton, my brother, is sitting on the phone, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I don't know, man. I, shit, I'll figure it out. Figure, he hangs the phone. I'm like, oh, what happened? The old school rotary dial phone. Yeah. You know? And 
he's like, ah, you know, my band has a show tonight and, you know, I was supposed to rent a van. Something didn't work out. Like he, he, he was trying to get a van. It didn't work yeah. out. And I was like, oh, you know, I said, oh, who, who are you playing with? Because he'd played with Super Touch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm playing with this band Token Entry. I had known Token Entry because of Jay Bird, because of skating. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. So you're already a fan. Entry. Yeah. I mean, I knew him, right? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, well, dude, I'll, I said, I'll take you to the show. Where is it? He said, it's on Long Island. Said, Listen, I got this Volkswagen camper. We'll throw your shit in. I'll take you. So I took him to the show, and that was it. And I became a Token Entry roadie That's after amazing. that. I just became friends with, with Ernie and Tim and... That was the start of everything. That must have been like what, 88, 87? Yeah. Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, 87. That's when I met you. Right. So so in the in the in the band, yeah, because that's when I was roading and then I met at the out crowd show yep, when I you were roading for that. Yep. And other things. Um <laughs> so <laughs> so so uh yeah, and then so then Mike, it was Mike and this guy Richie, and they yeah. were in for a while and they left, and then the Citarella brothers came in. Yeah. And that's that's at the same time when they started doing a little more, a little more, you know, different stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then that was that was I wrote it for Token Entry. And then when Token Entry ended, and I remember when Token Entry ended because Ernie called me up and I was like devastated. But what year um, was that? The ended what year? Oh man, I think Chunks talks about one of the yeah. One of the I I forgot the. I, it was probably like ninety. Okay. I don't know. Not, well, were you playing not, the bass at the time? No. So you no I was playing no instrument. Okay. And it ended, and then Ernie said, "Hey, look, I, I want to start another band." Now we had okay. I get, let me back it up. I did start to play the bass because when I'm roading now, I'm, now I'm into music, right? Yeah, I you, think you, this you, is really cool. And live concerts with them. Yeah. So Ernie gave me a bass okay. that he had, and he kind of taught me the basics of because he's, I mean. He's incredible with yeah, music. He's, he's an artist, a sculptor, yeah, a writer. He sure. can play everything. Artist. So he showed me how to play bass. And then once in a while at Token Entry shows, we would like have this, we had this other band. I don't remember what the hell we called it, but Timmy was playing drums and yeah. Rob, who was the vocal, who was, you know, Rob Black Train Jack vocalist. Jack. He was a roadie too. And he had a van, Big Blue, and he would sing. I'd play bass, yeah. Ernie'd play guitar, and Timmy would play drums. And we'd play like one or two songs. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Then when so then when Token Entry ended, Ernie's like, hey, why don't we do why don't we do a band? I was like, ah, okay. And what were you doing at that moment in your life? Where were you working? What were you at college? Like what were you no, doing? No, that that at that moment of my life, I was actually so this goes back, so in this was in college, right? Because so Ernie and I went to Queens College together. Gotcha. And, you know, I was roading for them. It was great. It was fun. I, in college, joined Army ROTC. Okay. And I will tell you why. Because when I tell people that, when they see who I am today, and you know, it's like the polar opposite of like punk rock, hardcore, right? What, right? what the hell is that about? But for me, you know, growing up, I just, I, I read about World War II. I read about history. So to me, it, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking along the military industrial complex lines. I was thinking along the lines that I'm an American citizen. And there's a lot of other people who sacrificed a lot so that we have the freedoms that we have today. Totally. Right. I love that. And, and I said, hello. And I said, I should do that. I should do something too. I should do something to contribute to that. Make a difference. 
make a difference. So coming from the hardcore scene too, I think it's awesome. So I did that, and so I was at I was actually at Airborne School. Okay. When when Ernie uh, hit you up, when he, he called me and he told me, and it was just like dev- I was devastated because I loved what we were doing. I loved token entry. I, you know, I, I thought they were the greatest. And, I love them too. And Timmy and Ernie at the time, they were my they were my best friends. Yeah. You know, and and you know, Timmy, we would skate all the time together, and he was the one he got on Jack's team, and then he made me a Jack, and the whole the whole Coast story, skate West Coast team, and yeah. Canada thing. It's, yeah. you know, the Jacks. Look them up, people. The Jack skate team, unbelievable. Such shit. such interesting history, and and a lot of bands too involved yeah. with, with from Jacks, absolute music. Yeah. So anyway, so but Timmy and his family like treated me like their own son. I'd go there yeah. and eat, and we'd hang out, and we'd go skate together, and Queens. you know, in Queens. Hitting little parking lots, yeah, and I do the same thing with Ernie. It was just such a cool time. It was so yeah. much fun. Um, but he told me that, so. Yeah, to me, I was like, "Oh shit, this is ending." Oh no, Token you know. I never uh, heard that. Joe was really bummed. Yeah, and and uh, you know, and at the time, and I liked I liked the way to the world when I like when they first did too, too. You know, yeah. Well, shout on the song. And uh, and well, they and Tim they did Brian and Tim's excellent adventure. That's right. That was us right. going Both around skating on the record. Yeah. yeah. So, so way of the world record. Look it up, everybody. Yeah. Token it's, entry. it's different. It's different. I liked it too, man. It's a different vibe, but it's, yeah. it's great. Um, go back home was a song that they sing about me on there. Yeah. Never want to go back right. home with a sack flat, with, with sack, a lap back, laid back, watch Toby sack, sack flat. <laughs> and that, that was, and that was all about, that was from that night from the out crowd show. That's right. Oh shit. You're right. Where it's that dude. kid's house. Wow. And then, and that, so not to, I mean, I know this is, this is going on a lot That's of different okay. tangents. People, people, people like the vibe, but, but it's the funniest thing. Like I tell people today or like I tell my daughter how, how like you and I became friends. I'm like, we just, you know, there was true romance, true bromance when we met <laughs> at that, at that out crowd show. And when we used to write letters to each other, Yes. Remember, we pen were pen pals. pals that's crazy. Right from Maryland. Yeah, that's crazy. That was so funny. We'd send pictures of each other. Oh, it's me. I'm doing this. I'd send you'd send me a patch. I'd send you things back and forth. Wow, man. Remember? That's amazing, Brian. I yeah. totally forgot about that. I did. That's awesome. Obviously, you meant more to me than I meant to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, that's just, crazy. you just crushed me. So, yeah, for people that are just listening to the podcast that haven't started from the beginning with my mom's episode, just to rewind a little bit is that I ended up moving to New York City in 1988 to live with Timmy Chunks from Token Entry in um, Flushing, Queens. We were pen pals as well and we moved out there because of this whole Token Entry connection and that's how I met Brian back there in 1988 and we've been friends ever since. Um, okay, let's go back. Token Entry. Token Entry up. ends. In the military. They want to start a new band. Right. So I was it. in the reserves. I wasn't active duty. I was yeah. like, that's a little more than I wanted to do. So, so I figured I was playing my part by doing the Army Reserves yeah. and it was, it was, what was really cool too is it's just always it was a very different thing than regular life. Yeah. So it was a whole int- other interesting side. But anyway, what music you mean? No, 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 no. The the army thing. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm totally. But yeah. you know, what's what's funny is that I've gotten heat from it for it before, right? Because of the scene that we're in, it seems to be the. So polar- you can't you can't be punk rock and hardcore, but also fight for the country. You can't do that. Or yeah, or you know, like what what is this? You know. You, that, that's that's the antithesis of, yeah. of punk rock supposedly right but um interestingly and i, I just got i just got to remember the guy's name there was there was an interview on bbc with um with uh raymond santana okay he was one of the central park five guys that got exonerated oh wow okay and what was interesting it's is a great, is, story great too, gr- incredible story incredible interview 
um, on BBC. It's still up on there. And the doc series is out now too. It's yeah. great. So, and in the Fucked interview, they, they asked him, you know, if his feelings have changed about the police now and everything. And he goes, it did. It took him a long time to not be looking over his shoulder, right? But he said it did now. He go, And he said, like, like anything else, most people are good. There are bad apples that, you know, you got to get rid of, yeah. right? And what he said, and this is the kind of way that I've always felt about stuff, is like, you want to change something and make it better? Become a part of it. Infiltrate become a cop. Si- infiltrate the system. Be- right. Quote Madball. Yeah. Become a cop. Become mm-hmm. a become a lawyer. Become this. Become that. Yeah. And be be the change that you want to. See. Don't just don't just scream and yell and expect something to happen. Get in there and do it, and then make that change. So that. I did that, and I, you know, like for me, I went into the army. And I'm in this officer basic course in in Georgia. People like. You know, the first time we go do some physical training together, I got on shorts and I got tattoos. Oh, are you some kind of fucking freak, boy? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I am some kind of fucking freak, boy. Let's go. <laughs> you know, and I would, t- and the yeah. thing is, but then, you know, I would tell these guys what I was about. And then these, like, total, total redneck dudes from the middle of nowhere, yeah. well, I shouldn't say nowhere, it's not fair to the other states, from the middle of some other nice place would be that you know we would talk about it yeah and they would say wow you know i always would look at people that looked like you and be like that guy's a scumbag but you're not it's mm-hmm. like that's right and i'd sure look at guys like you and think that you probably hate guys like me and i was right but now you now there's one that doesn't awesome. and now you can tell your friends that hey yeah you know what i know this freaking tattooed freaky dude yeah it, it, who who had green hair before he came to do this training course yeah and you know what i mean it's awesome that's it i love that change it from the inside so when Ernie hits you up at that moment and that's happening for you, like, what do you do? I did it. I, I better learn to play bass a little bit. <laughs> and I, I still say to myself, I better learn to play bass because, you know. <laughs> How fast did that happen, though? How fast did that It was start? pretty fast. I mean, man. We're talking about Black Train Jack, ladies and gentlemen. Black Train Jack. Wonderful. Band. I have the worst memory for, for like time, like exact dates and stuff, unlike yeah. you. Um, but I don't remember. But it went fast. And, you know, and... Ernie, again, incredibly gifted guy. He came up, he has, he, here are some songs. And we had some stuff from, then we were doing, I think we, we were calling it uh, Rhythm Stick with okay. the, when we were when we were playing. So, and also, but wait, but there was another little break point because between Token Entry and Black Train Jack, Ernie and Joe from In Your Face started, the, and, and, and Timmy too, did this other band, Youth Tsunami. Youth Tsunami, That's okay. what they called it. And, and they started, and actually they played a show in philly and it was it was them and fugazi oh wow and that's where i first met ian Holy and shit. like blown away right but the early fugazi days yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh that's amazing. i mean I, you know and the thing is back then i didn't realize like when i think about it now it's like i was like hanging out on stage at this little it's a school that yeah. they played and i'm watching fugazi and thinking about that now like i would you know i'd be willing to go without this arm to, to do, do that, that now yeah, you know that's amazing man you're in but, that moment you don't think about how crazy yeah. and important it is and yeah like we're like we're going we're, we're going down in the parking lot to go get a burrito and there's Ian. hey what's going on you need anything no i'm good thanks all right bye it's like i didn't think about it like yeah holy crap but that's awesome um, but so they did that and then then i remember there was another band though called tsunami yeah and they got in touch with like you tsunami got, bomb or something yeah, yeah tsunami yeah. bomb yeah. they were discord right weren't they or no nah, i think they were like fat records or something maybe mm, i don't know or nitro one of those labels anyway 
they, I remember the Blue Face from Chosen. There was this band, and they and they were like, "Yeah, you, you, that name's not going to work. You change the name. Too similar." And I don't know the dynamics of what exactly happened then, but then that's what Black Train Jack. And where did that name of. come from, Black Train Jack? So, so I had. I'll tell you the story. You have time, right? It's a yeah. podcast. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, and you're a professional, so you can tell me if this, if this goes out of your guidelines. That's fine. Um, People so, <laughs> so I had the Volkswagen camper, unfortunately, died. Shit the bed. It had been a really bad, like a, a middle upstate New York. I had to, you know, get a ride. It was awful. Okay. I still miss that thing. Anyway, so that was gone. Um, and I, I found a used Suzuki Samurai, like awesome. a total death wagon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so... Ernie and I used to, you know, it was a four-wheel drive vehicle. Yeah. So we were we would just cruise around. They, they took the top off and we blasted music yeah. and having a good time. And we were driving around and Ernie lived in Astoria, yeah. right? And there was this Con Ed plant there where the pyramids were. Yeah. Okay, the skate, famous yeah, yeah. skating lore, pyramids. So we were driving around and we... Ernie had come up. He wanted to call the band Fire Dog. Okay. And we were driving around, and we, we so we were driving, and it just it had rained a couple of days before. Yeah. And we see this big field of like mud. Okay. Where we could get to, and like let's go drive around that mud. So we go and and we're we're putting the four wheel drive. We're driving on the mud. Mud's flying up in air. It's getting inside. <laughs> yeah. And we're from New York City, so this is like yeah. to some people who who do like. ATVs and stuff They're like oh yeah mud all this is nothing to us this was like this is we were virgin mud guys yeah yeah You're mud heaven. getting everywhere it's all over us it's in things the whole car was like wet and brown afterwards but then what we realized is it was not mud it was actually sewage because oh we, it was mud from a sewage, <laughs> like we were right by a sewage treatment plant and, and the heavy rains had made stuff seep up because as we're driving, like, man, it smells like shit. Oh my God. So we dude. basically got completely covered in shit mud. Like, and, <laughs> and, but while we were driving, so the, the point is that was funny in and of itself, yeah. but, but while we were driving, we were listening to Rollins band. Gotcha. And in one of the songs, you've got to take it on the black train, Jack. Right? Yeah. So, and Ernie's like, it was like a, it's like, oh, Black Train Jack. I was like, yeah. And that was it. Shit. Yeah. Black Train Jack. Never been told. I never knew that, man. That's amazing. Never been told. And we, (laughs) and we thought of it while like literally covered in shit. So that's the name. That was the name. You got the name. You got some songs. Got some songs. And do you remember Black Train Jack's first show? I don't. I do remember, though. That the day that we decided on the band, it, it, it was very soon after, and we, said we knew things were going to be good because it was New Year's Eve, and we went, into, we went to some Greek place, and the guy was like, it's New Year's Eve. You're not paying for your meal. Guy treated mm. us in his restaurant to a free to a wow. dinner just for the hell of it, yeah. and I think that was the same day that we came up with the name. Awesome. I could be getting stuff confused, but we're yeah. old. It's okay to get things confused. Yeah, so- Dates, I don't remember. So what year was that? The Black Train Jack was officially. I don't remember. Okay. Ninety. So two. So how long? Three? You, how long are you military for? Well, I I signed up when I was in college, eighty nine, and then in nineteen ninety one I got commissioned as a lieutenant. Okay. And I was a junior in college. Wow. Yeah. And so you, how many years did you stay there? And we spent there. In the army yeah. reserve, I did eighteen years in the army reserve. Wow. Yeah. 
Desert Storm and all that stuff, right? Desert Storm happened, and I had not gone to my officer basic course yet, so I was not technically qualified to go. Okay. So I did not have to go to that. So you were balancing being in the military and being a black train jack? Well, it, it, it's more that. So, you know, I, I had, I still had, I was working at different skate jobs. Yep. I, after Ninth Street, I started working at Soho Skateboards. Yeah, Soho Skates. You know, which you found out more about later, which you didn't realize it was not just a skate shop. Mm. But, um, but, uh, and then, and then I had been working at, I'd been working selling skateboards and snowboards at Paragon. Paragon, yeah. Downtown. Paragon Sports, yeah. And that's when, you know, Black Train Jack started doing stuff and we started playing shows and yeah. touring. So I was getting involved in the snowboard industry. Yeah. And uh, so that was it. So it, w- it was like juggling a couple of things. It was yeah. the band, which was a ton of fun. I was working in, you know, tuning up snowboards, but the beginning of the, you know, the industry when it was first getting, yeah, man. you know, interesting and skateboarding, you know, so it's cool seeing the industry side of that. Yeah. So I, I was loving life, man. I was like, I every once in a while, I, 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 you know, do this army stuff, which is totally different. And during the week, I'm tuning snowboards and playing shows on weekends with my best friends. Yeah. It was awesome. So when did Black Train Jack become, or did it ever become in your mind that it could be a career or was taking off? Like, what was the one show? Is there a moment where you're like, holy shit, we could actually do this band that uh, people care and... We can we can travel the world doing this shit. Oh, I mean, it was it happened pretty fast, you know, yeah. and it was because of token entry and the connections to you know Hawker yeah, yeah, Records yeah. and then and Roadrunner Hawker Records. Yeah, and uh, so Howie Abrams was our A and R guy. Yeah, and what up, Howie? And, and hey, I still I, I love seeing his love stuff. Howie, He's doing man. incredible stuff. He's doing great. Um, so. You know, we it, it was a blast, and I to yeah. me it was like swirling around me. Like to me, Ernie Ernie knew this stuff. Rob's a great singer, yep. you know, and, and, you know, I, it was just swirling around me. I, I'm like, I just learned how to play bass to do this. Yeah. This is like, I'm so incredibly lucky to be doing this. Yeah, you're barely holding on at this moment. Um, So, you know, it, it was, we were, you know, doing shows, then more shows, then the, we do a record. So you got signed to Roadrunner Records. Yeah. How did that come about? through you know as far as the details i don't really know okay but i do know that it was you know because of the connections with hawker and yeah yeah, yeah. because that was done through roadrunner and and that was it so so making that record do you remember how long it took you to make it it was i think it was two weeks or a week right downtown oh my god i I, i'm still terrible with this stuff man was that that was your first actual record was that it must have been an exciting moment to make an album yeah well because to me it just happened so fast and i was like this is i was just like you know, you know how like if you if you're in a car or something, or some a car speeds at you and and it just misses you and you're like, I am so lucky to be alive. Yeah, I was like living that feeling. Like I can't I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah, like, it's bizarre. Yeah. So I didn't. Sometimes I didn't even pay attention. Honestly, I was mm. like, I just did what I had to do. I, I played bass. I loved it. And I just. Were well, so, you juggling a couple things too at the time? I just too. enjoyed it, man. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I was you along for the ride. You want to deal with the business. You just want to play and have fun. Yeah, and you had to eventually deal with the business, but yeah. I just I just don't remember all the dates and stuff because that wasn't the what was super important. What I loved about Black Train Jack, and I said that to Rob too on, on the episode that's coming out soon, is that the melody. And, and there was also hard breakdowns for like the kids like the mosh, but there was also the melodies there and, and the lyrical, the lyrics. And for that time in New York, everything was really hard and chugga chugga and street. And you guys came out and it was just like a breath of fresh air. And, it was, and, it yeah. was, and, and Rob can really sing as like a trained fucking singer, like an opera singer yep. and, and just singing and just like the songs. And it was just a really, the timing was so perfect, but I'm sure to some people they're like, 
they weren't expecting that type of music at that time in the New no, York hardcore scene. It was so different. And it yeah. th- so I, you know, like I was telling you, like I, I got introduced and influenced more by the West Coast stuff. Yeah. Right. So I was really into that stuff at this totally. point. So I hadn't even been involved. I wasn't involved in the New York scene really at yeah. all. And I started here. It was, there was some angry, violent stuff. Totally. And it was like a breath of fresh air. But the coolest thing was that the scene, because of what it was, and because of, you know, you know, Ernie definitely had the bona fides from token entry and, yeah. and Timmy and stuff. It was, it was accepted. Totally. And we would be playing shows with, you know, Sick of It All and yeah. Agnostic Friends. We'd play these shows that were like, you know, and, and the kids would be like mosh and hard and slam it. They would love the, our stuff too. You guys had great breakdowns. But it was great. But sick melodies too. I, I love the combo of it. Yeah. And, that, and that's something, I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, like we, we would go into the rehearsal studio and we would all do our thing. But Ernie came up with the foundation of that stuff. He yeah. was he's so he's talented, man. Yeah, man. Um, and it was just a blast. Was there any weird blowback when you guys came out for being too melodic at that time? Was there any weirdness? Oh, or? Not that I knew of, man. Yeah. To me, it was just fun, right? I didn't yeah. care the scene or this or that. Yeah. Like we would we would be playing one night. You know, we we'd play a show, and you know, we we. I don't know other bands like New York hardcore bands would be playing and then we'd go and we'd play shows with the Lunachicks yeah, and we'd play awesome. shows with Degeneration yeah. and you know Diverse Bills I love it you, was you, so fun you guys could hang on any type of bill that's why I like that yeah. I, I love that um, so when that record came out was it was there initial reaction of everybody's excited like when that first record dropped was I was excited. Yeah, you guys were psyched, and and did people love it at first? Was it, it seemed like, to be? Yeah, yeah, it, we yeah. did. We had we did some great shows and great tours. You know, leading up to the release too. You yeah, guys were working hard. Yeah, we we just played weekends and had a bled mostly Pennsylvania was our second home. Totally, we played a ton of shows out there and made some incredible friends. Uni Sound, Uni Club Uni Sound, it was incredible. Yeah, you know, man. and you know. That was more fun than playing in the city. I mean, yeah. you go out there and, and the kids that we met out there, like these guys, John Taglieber and Matt Matacola and all these different dudes. And Eric Walsh, who was our roadie. Dope. They were just the nicest, coolest kids. And they had been there from the token entry days. Totally. Like they were all, they would, there was this whole crew that came to token entry yeah. shows um, and they stuck with it. And man, it was just so cool. Yeah. So that record dropped. Um, and then you guys started hitting the road. We were hitting the road. It was good. We, you know, we, we had a, you know, we were doing things with the label, you know, and uh, having fun. And that was it, man. We bought a little, uh, we, we got some money together and bought a used short school bus. It was great. The blue bus. Yeah, man. We used that before. No, the, the blue van, that was big blue. That was Rob's van. Got you. The we school used, bus. I used, but I used the bus before. Yeah, you used the bus H4 before too. That before, yeah. So that was the whole, that was a different thing. And then, and then yeah, so that was it. That, when we just started playing. What about your first time headlining as Black Train Jack when the record, you know? You know, again, like I wouldn't even remember. I'm glad I interviewed Rob because he has a lot of answers. He, for he, questions. <laughs> I, um, I can't. I can what tell, about playing out of the country? For I could tell you time. more about feeling. Playing out of the country for the first time was great. I mean, and who was it go, with? We and go, when was it? We went to Europe with Sick of It All. Gotcha. It was awesome. They brought us to, they brought us to Europe too for our first I mean, tour in 94. That's they amazing. Were, you know, it was incredible. And I mean, you really, you know, learned a lot. You totally. know, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch everything Craig does yeah. and do what Craig does. Okay, yeah. you have your gig clothes, you have your stinky strap, yeah. you keep them all together, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, and he he was it was incredible to watch him play. He been the ropes and shit. Oh, you know totally. I mean? and, and you know, hanging out with 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 Pete and Lou. The first of all, they're, they're the funniest friggin' dudes. Yeah. Some of the stuff they'd say to each other, I was like pissing in my pants laughing. Yeah. You know, you they know. still break each other's balls too to this day. Yeah, I mean, so that was that Brothers. was incredible. Yeah, 
And, it, but it, you know, again, and I think one of the reasons that I don't remember dates and stuff and, and things like that is because that's not, I wasn't focused on that. Like it was a whole you different in the moment. It was a different world for me. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was watching things happen. Like I still like, like it was yesterday though. I remember the moment, like I remember H2O and Black Train Jack playing at the wetlands oh, and Tim and Lars were there. Remember? And Lars came up and he sang, he sang guy like me. Oh shit. That's right. You guys opened the show. It yeah. was, it was incredible. I mean, that's like, I remember, and, and, you know, and, and that's the kind of stuff I remember. I remember yeah. the, the, the feeling and, and the, but some key moments more. you remember. Yeah. 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 I don't, ah, yes. October 14th, no, 1994. I, know, I, know. I don't, I don't remember that stuff. So then the second record comes out. Then the second record comes out. And that was awesome. No reward was the first one. And then no reward was first. Then you're not alone. Yeah. Not alone. Yeah. You're not this alone. Sorry. You did today. So those both records are bangers. I love both those records front to back. They sound great. Their songs are great. Um, so at that, that time, you guys are really doing well. We were doing really well. Yeah. We, Headlining shows, touring. Yep. We had done, we had, I think with our Roadrunner contract, we had one record left to do. I think it was supposed to be a, um, supposed to be a live record. Okay. And, I had heard that Atlantic wanted to pick us up from there and it was starting to be a thing where like, you know, we were spending a lot of time, a lot of time on the road yeah. and, and it was hard though because, you know, people tend to think that well, if a band's touring, they must be doing great. Yeah. And then, Meanwhile, oh, you're working at, at a skate shop and you're in the military. You do, you're they're, on, they're on a label. They are, they must be rolling in dough. So and I, I, we'd come back from tours. I'm like, okay, now I got to figure out how I'm going to get my car insurance back. Yeah. How I'm going to, you know, con my friend to lend yeah. me money for rent. Cause you weren't making money, you know? So yeah. anyway, so there wasn't a moment where you're like, Oh my God, things are going great. This could be a career. I could be a musician now. No, it was, it, it was, I mean, that's what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. I mean, to, I was like, this is better than anything else. I, I certainly better than working in a snowboard shop. Yeah. You know, the army is great. And that's a, that, that was a different thing that, that, as opposed to a, you know, a career, it wasn't a career. That was just a calling and something yeah. I figured I was just giving back. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I like was like, you, I like that you saw the military as you were giving back your services and it wasn't like, I'm going to go here because I don't know what I'm going to do now. Cause some people go from school because they, they want to figure out or, or become a responsible and get like uh, some, a, a workout regimen or different reasons why people go military, of course. And I love the military, respect the military and I appreciate the military. But you went and just gave yourself to give back to help others. And I've never heard anybody say that to me. I know it means that to a lot of military people too. I'm sure they do the same reason. But just sitting down with you and hearing you say like, I did that to give my services back to help people. That, that means a lot. And, and I feel like that came from obviously you're a good positive kid who got picked on, but then you found this hardcore music about community and unity and family and all this shit. And that all that kind of punk rock ethics and the shit you learned from that community, you wanted to go help people. Right. And that's a pretty, that's pretty amazing. That was part of it. I mean, I, I love that. The, the, the military thing it was like, I'm gonna go there and get paid and all that. So he's going to go. And no, and, and granted you did get paid and yeah. it was nice, yeah. it, but, but, but it was always just something in your back pocket, but it was, it was a thing where you feel like I'm doing something that's supposed to be for my country. I'm able to now influence things in a way that I think is right. It's yeah. not just someone else. Now I'm, I can give orders, but I'm going to be cool. Yeah. You know, based on my principles and, and my morals. Yeah. Um, I love that. So I brought, I tried to bring that into Shout it. Shout out to everybody in the military, keeping us safe. I appreciate you. I've got a family and friends in the military. Um, you know, my, my uncle Ray and my dad and my grandfather all in, um, 
some important historical. And, and some did it willingly, and some did, did yeah, it unwillingly. But but the, at the end of the day, people did it. Well, you know that was that was the thing. I remember what really Purple made hearts. me say what made me say I should do this. Well, you know, God bless them that they you know served and were injured yeah. too. I I was I like building models, and I was when I was like five six years old, and I got this book about you know how to paint certain models and it showed like little guys in little uniform and how to paint them and what colors and everything yeah and to me you know war and the military that was all world war ii yeah and world war one right yeah and then i'm looking at this thing it's like you know u.s soldier and it showed like a guy in a radio and had how to paint the colors accurately yeah and it said vietnam war 1967 to 1975 and i'm like it was 1976 and i was like what holy shit this is going on like there's people now who were fighting for something. I mean, I didn't wow. know the politics of the Vietnam War. Yeah. I mean, I know that my mom took me to anti-Vietnam War protests in a stroller, but wow. so I was an early protester. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was like, I was like, oh my God. And it really just hit home that like, yeah. oh my God, this is like, this is not something that's just the past. Yeah. This is the present. Anyway, whatever. No, that's amazing. And what you were saying earlier about maybe people kind of got weird about you being in the hardcore punk scene and going to the military maybe thought that was kind of weird, but. At the same time, everybody's rocking camouflage shorts. That's and, right. And, repre- <laughs> and representing whether they want to or not. No, so I mean, I would, I would, scene. I would tell people. I mean, I never had any. I would never try to hide it. Yeah. But I told people why I did it too. I was like, look, yeah. you know what? At the end of the day, I think that we're lucky to have the freedoms that we have. Yeah. Our country has an ass load of problems, but we are also very good at fixing them. Yeah. You know, and there things go in you know in different cycles. Yeah. And we're in an interesting cycle right now, but you know, it's also. Uh, you were, were very a very resilient nation, totally. and, and I'm I'm proud of it. You know. Yeah. So you you dedicated to most of your life. We'll get into details about whatever you're up to now. But you've been, you've dedicated a lot of your life to serving and protecting uh, this country, and um, and I being pre- in music. I, 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 and being in music, I, I appreciate you for that. Um, but we're gonna go back now, back to token entry second. I'm mean, sorry, back to Black <laughs> Train Jack. You got me on coffee. You fuck. Back to second. If could I just tell you? So we have like regular medium-sized plastic to-go cups of coffee. Doesn't matter. Do Mine is empty. This? Yours, you have literally an inch of coffee gone. The rest I of it is full. I can't do coffee, full. man. It yeah, I, clearly you can't. Here's what happens. So I'm gonna take this from take away it. from you. So it makes me jittery, and then I gotta shit myself. The doctor says caffeine makes me nervous. And then I gotta shit myself, and then I gotta take a quick power nap, and then I get dehydrated, <laughs> and then I get cranky. So it's really not a good thing for me. You don't get dehydrated from coffee. It's a myth. Anyway, so. Here we go, Black Train Jack, second album. Second album, it's out. We're touring. You're not alone. It's things seem great, um, you know, and we were loving it. I mean, and for especially you know Rob and I, and you know and Nick, and all of us, and that's it was a big thing. You know, this is what we do. Yeah. But um, you know, there were other personal things that I'm not going to get into because it's not my story of other things that people had going on with families and and things that were changed people's minds about do i need to be on the road half the year was this when the band was at its prime and the highest and the biggest yeah i mean we we were we were um we had we had great management at the time we had you know we were on we were gonna roadrunner was great howie was great and we were looking past that um but as far as people's lives at the time me and rob we had nothing we had we were ready to go and at Ernie and Nick, I think there were different things going on yeah. that at the time were very hard for me to understand and deal with. So I kind of girded myself. You know, when, when Black Train Jack was coming to an end, 
we had to start to turn down some tours that would have been very, very good for the band. Big tours. Very big tours. Um, and we had to turn down some stuff that was very, very disheartening. My defense against that was saying, okay, you know what? That phase is over. Now it's time to do something else. Okay. Um, but that was never really the case. It was me telling myself that. Yeah. But and at the time, I was upset. I still stayed friends with, with Ernie. Um, but I was, it was pretty depressing because that's what, you know, your whole life. So my reaction was I tried to completely shut everything out. I didn't go to shows anymore. I didn't want to, it was, it was depressing. So you know? what year is that? Was it the end of a tour? Did you have a band meeting or just like, what was the final word? Yeah, it, it was, it was pretty much, it was pretty much a band meeting at, at our manager's house. And we were, we were sitting there and we were offered these tours and we were like, no, you know, we, we can't do it. And, and Ernie and Nick were both of the mindset that like, look, this got to a point that, that we don't want it to be. We don't want to be a full-time band. This is getting, turning into too much of a business. We wanted it to be like a real New York band, play shows on the weekends once in a while. And just have fun. Yeah, just have fun. And respect. I respect that now. At the time, when, you know, when it's all you have and it was yeah. like the coolest thing you've ever done in your life and the most fun and most rewarding I was like, I don't want this to end, but it, it did, you yeah. know? I remember one time, like, the thing that really got me was, you know, and you've experienced this a thousandfold to me, but it's probably the most important thing you can experience when you do something positive, is we got a, we have kids at shows saying what a difference the band made to them yeah. and how it changed their lives yes. for the better. I remember getting a letter from a kid, and I wish I remembered the kid's name, you know, but... And he said, you know, hey, I had a very, very rough life. My, you know, girlfriend got, you know, sexually assaulted and this and that. And she left me and I went started doing drugs. And I came across, you know, No Reward. And something about that song just changed something in me. Yeah, I, I totally, that. I gave up drugs. I got together with my girl again. I helped her get her life straight. And thanks to you guys, you you changed the course of my life for the better. I'd be dead or in jail, and and you changed the course. And when I heard that, it's like I saw, I'm like getting, getting goosebumps thinking about yeah, it now. Man, like I feel shit. it because because I remember how Seven Seconds and Minor Threat and Dag Nasty and bands like that how they made me feel exactly and how they changed my life and how I can you could never possibly repay that debt. No. You know, and I know for you, like you meet people nowadays and you, they're like, you become your friends, but Tomorrow, you're still man. like, oh my God, this it's guy, surreal. like Kevin, right? He'll never, he would never know the impact, even though you could tell I him know. it's never going to, you did never know. And know. you could never, that's a debt you could never repay. Exactly. And when people say stuff like that to you, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best occupation in the world. I'm having a blast and I'm, and, and. Having helping people, my friends, inspiring people, inspiring people. That's it's, the it's coolest amazing, thing man. in the world. It and, is, man. and I mean, and like I said, you know that a million fold between one life, one chance and the band yeah. and you know, just the way you are period. Anyway, you know, so giving up that was really hard. Um, but I was, you know, after that I, I kept it a part of my life. I got more involved in the snowboard industry, Okay. you know, and, and did, did you guys stop I, talking at that time? No, well, Nick, Nick kind of went and did his own thing, and he did great for himself. And we're, we're friends now, and I'm, you know, he got into some real estate stuff. Right. It was great. You know, Ernie went and did his graphic design stuff and more, and he's still doing it. So, you know, 
So after that, the first, it was like, I'm shutting it out, but you can't ever shut it out. Right. I, it was, it was very artificial. No, I was, man. I was denying myself the grieving process. <laughs> it's always true. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's and, all and of a sudden, it's, or everything you love is just all of a sudden stopped. Yeah. So, it, so you can either accept it and for what it is and move on, which I've learned to after 50 years. Yeah. Or you could be a dick like me and, and pretend it never happened. And so I did that for a couple months. Didn't work out. So Rob and I, then said, and I, I always had loved the music Ernie did. Ernie, he had just gotten married at the time, and we we definitely went apart a little bit. Yeah. You know? But he was building his life. Yeah. Hard for me to understand from a selfish perspective, like what happened to my best friend. Yeah. You know, Timmy moved out west. Yeah. And and you know Nick was doing his thing, and Rob I stayed in touch with because Rob and I were both the more similar in that we that's what we wanted our lives to be about. Yes. So we started Nine Lives, and that was fun. I mean, that was went to Japan with you guys. That was had amazing. a blast. Such a great you know? tour. What year was that? Early two thousands or something? Yeah. No, no, it was before that. It was it like was? it had to be ninety. I think it was ninety eight or ninety nine. Damn. Yeah. That was great. It was great. And and We're you know, cover that magazine. Doll yeah. Magazine. Yeah. It was awesome. I look like an idiot on that. I made the stupidest <laughs> freaking. I look like such a moron. But it, um, <laughs> but yeah, but, Nine Lives is great too, man. Yeah, it was. It was. I. I. It was never to me what Black Train Jack was, but you know when you have something like that, it, it was weird. It's kind of like Black Train Jack. There was this confluence of circumstances that just it was what it was at a very special time. It was a, a special thing. Had your moments. And your time. and and you and when Nine Lives came around, that stuff was already like okay. It, it, so what we were doing wasn't it wasn't the same feeling as Black yeah. Train Jack, you know. Yeah. Um, but I still loved it. And, you know, Rob's one of my closest friends and, and, you know, we had a, a series of different people in the band, it, but it was different too. Cause like, you know, we came from like black train Jack came from token entry and we were yeah. roadies and we were, became all, all our best friends, yeah. a little different with, with nine lives, yes. but we still had a blast. We did the tour with you. We had some good guys in the band. I think Rusty played guitar for a second. For a little while. He That's did. Awesome. Yeah. When, not, when H show was on a hiatus. Yes. You know, and and, and and TF played drums. That's right, I remember that. So that was that was fun. I, I like the stuff Rusty writes, man. He yeah, he's, yeah. he's also got some incredible stuff going on. Yeah. in that strange brain. Um, totally. But but uh, so what year was Nine Lives for people listening? That was late. Know. That was 97, yeah, 98, was up, yeah, 99. Yeah, yeah, and it kept going. And we had we did a, we had a lot of fun. We did some great great tours played with, with some with some great bands you know we did a, a whole a u.s tour with down by law yeah um we played some shows with them wait did we do was that black train jack black train jack did down by law I, I don't remember but nine lives definitely did some shows shades apart yeah, i really I like shades yeah, apart Jersey, man yeah man great bands and you know um there were so many things with black train jack that were at interesting times like the bouncing souls yep you know, before they were the entity that they are now. I mean, we were playing shows in their in their house. You know, token entry shows, and then Black Train Jack shows, and That's those they were some of the coolest guys, man. And um, you know, and seeing them become what they've become too. Yeah, man. Like I love it. That, I'm definitely. It was so called something Street House, Ninth Street House. I forget the house. I, I don't remember called. either. Remember but it was, was so. It they were. So, it was so. What an incredible it scene. Was it was an amazing time back then. It was watching these bands come up. You know, and 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 the thing that's really cool now is just seeing. There's a lot of success stories, you know, and people not just in music, but yeah. but the people who are like seeing where the souls are now, like 
you know, I, I, I saw, I, I hung out with Brian at a show last year. Yeah. And I, I text, we text once in a while. It's so cool to see what those guys have become. And he's tattooing you know? now and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so cool. And, and Pete was always like one of the nicest dudes. Yeah. We both, he played guitar and I played bass for the first token entry reunion at Wetlands. Oh shit. And that I know was that. fun. Wow. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That made me feel like more part of Token Entry. I was like, oh my God. Did you ever feel not part of the New York hardcore scene because you guys were so different? Because when you weren't playing shows, you weren't you were in the military and you were working. Were you going to shows like religiously every weekend on no, Sunday matinee? I, I did. Like, so, I, to me, I was always like, you know, some of my, you know, like my best friends are part of the scene. Yeah. You know? I was always more on the periphery. Yeah. I was never like a scene guy. You yeah. know, yeah, I was, I was up. People would people knew me because of voting for token entry or because of black train Jack, but I was never, but did you, did you feel guy. weird for being a military person and coming to shows after that? No. Right. Did you have a different perspective looking at the scene? Anything like no, that? I thought okay. it was awesome because yeah. to me it was, it wasn't about, you know, tough guy, violent stuff, but yep. even the people who were into that were always just the nicest, coolest people. Totally. And you know, it was, to me, the best. It was. It was a. It was a, a surrogate family. Hundred percent. You know, and not having any brothers or sisters and a single parent household, that it meant a lot. Yeah. To have your mom was so proud of you when the band she came to see your shows and she stuff did. And she came to a couple of shows. Yeah. And and you know when you played certain shows in the city where there was places to sit down, that's when you know Rob's parents would come mm-hmm. and my his parents would come and like they'd be in the mosh pit. Yeah. My, my mom would like to sit and watch. That's so cool. And what about pops? Pops was so my my mom got remarried and and Phil was always super supportive with her you know and they'd come to shows together and yeah. see stuff so super cool man yeah that's it but original pops original pops in the wind and you know every once in a while he'd pop up and usually it was for something like negative like you know why is this bill in my name for several thousand dollars? Oh, because you forged my signature on something and got, and wow. you know. So what? So let's go back to that for a second because I have a dad issues also. But like, what about your dad? When was it that he left your mom? And did you see him after that? Was they, it a weird? They, they cult got divorced. Split? They got divorced in '76, okay. and it was bad. I mean, I remember fights and words that I hadn't heard before, and things. It was just like, why is he doing this to my mother? Like this is. It was never violent that I saw. Might have been. And my mom, like most moms, try to protect their kids, even 100%. when they're, you know, you know, 35, 45 years old. They don't want to tell them the truth. So <laughs> yeah, I still don't so. know. Like, I literally did not find out until like I was 37 that my dad had an issue with drugs. No wow. freaking idea. And I got mad at my mom for that because I'm like, listen, I was like, I've been involved in this music scene going to shows and stuff because it's like i mean we're talking about it. i'm giving you like moments but i went to a lot of shows and was downtown a lot and you know exposed to a lot of different things but you also like one of my only adult friends who had like a real career and a real job and stability mm. and you always focus on you never left focus of like going to college and doing what you want to do you, you juggled the military and playing music and I, I love that about it. you always had like a plan a b and c and well, you always focus on that it was luckily it turned out to be a plan i just wanted to have fun <laughs> i seriously i wanted no, to experience different things and have fun and i looked for the stability because you do not have stability when your parents get divorced and your mom's a teacher and your dad doesn't pay child support and he's there's a lot of stuff going on you know but he you know i don't want to you know he's he passed away and you don't want to talk negatively about the dead but you know, I remember like I found out I didn't even know where he was and I get this call and I, I knew it was going to happen one day. 
It was yeah. like, I'm going to get a call out of the blue, and it's going to be some guy. He's like, are you this guy? Yeah, your dad's dead. And it's, sure enough, that's what happens. Holy sh- How old were you when that happened? I was... Uh, 40s. Probably like 42, yeah. Did you get to ever go back and talk to him about like the stuff he went through when you found at 37 nope. that he was on drugs nope. and stuff? Nope. Yeah, never because wow. he'd he'd pop up and then I would ask him and he'd never want to talk. But I don't know, you know, no, you know, your 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 mom's not telling you. You know, let's not talk about that though. Let's just let's just hang out and then he'd disappear again. You know, just I, I remember your life like that. And, and that's yeah, he he was gone. I had no idea where he like he would. He used to pick me up on weekends pretty regularly. He would yeah. always be very late. And then one weekend, he didn't show up. Wow. He's like, yeah, I'll be there too. Okay. How old gone. Were you? How were you then? I I don't remember. I swear to God, I got the worst memory I, for I that shit. I feel like you have, um, what's that memory called? Uh, fuck, I don't know. Shitty? No, but sometimes when you have these things, I'm not saying that for you it's like a, a, tra- a tragic moment, but sometimes you bl- we block out these things. I, I'm guilty of doing that too about my dad and Well, I remember dying. I remember the stuff. Selective memory. Selective memory. I just don't remember the dates. Like, but, I remember but, or, the things or, that or happened. Some things you just don't, care, you don't want to, or maybe it brings back a memory. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe. too deep into it. But especially about dad shit, like yeah. I find myself like, my moon, because my wife knows everything about her whole life and her dad and all that stuff. But for me, she knows more about that than me. Because sometimes that is well, it's good. To, it's it it's important sense. to know. But like like that, I'm telling you, this one day he was supposed to pick me up. He didn't. I'm like, okay, he must be late. Calling up his house, no answer, no answer, yeah, no answer. This is before cell phones, right? Yeah. Okay. And then I call him the next day, no answer. Now I'm going to school again. I call him the next day, phone's disconnected, gone. Wow. And then and then all of a sudden. That was, I was in, I think I was in junior high school at the time, like yeah. early junior high school. And then, you know, I ended up going to high school in the Bronx. I went to a science high school, Bronx High School of Science yeah. in, in the Bronx. And I'm in my, my, I'm a junior there. And then one day I come out of class and this guy's fucking standing there. It's Damn. my dad. He's like, hey. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what? And, yeah. You know, and, and it was a combination. I, I was like, what the hell happened? But it was a kind of like, should I do, am I angry yeah. or am I happy that he, here's my dad? Yeah. So I did the, I'm happy. Here's my dad. I asked him when I goes, Oh, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Okay, great. Wow. And then, and we, he goes, Oh, I want to be part of your life. And I'm so proud of you. And this, that, the other thing, but, and then gone again. But, and, and that, that happened. Would you rather him just totally disappeared as a kid, never seen him again, or him coming back and forth made it worse? I think that made it worse because yeah. it, because it gives you this false hope of like, okay, I because I, yeah, I was, I'm, you know, always positive and I was like, I'm going to make this except when I'm negative, but I was like, okay, it's going to be a new start. He's in my life now. This is great. Damn. And it's fair. And then back, oh, okay. Okay. It's a new start. It's a new beginning. Here it is. Let's start Get today. Your hopes up. Make it excited because you're young too, and you want to see whatever. Right, man. and just... you're hoping for the best. And and you know, and the thing is, you know, a lot of my friends, they their their parents were together, and you know, I saw my my buddy, you know, like, oh yeah, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I can't I can't come out because my dad and I are building this computer desk together, and we're going on this trip, and all oh, my dad's doing man. this, and I'm like, mm, yeah, and like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, my dad's picking me up, and then you know they'd sometimes call my house and my dad didn't pick me up and I wouldn't answer the phone because I was embarrassed. I'm like, shit, it was bad. So I'd, you know, it was almost, I would rather he just, you know, yeah. Um, but that is hard as a kid. It it was bad. And then, and then I remember, um, you know, he, he, he had done some stuff like forged my name on some things. I got, I got a, I got a bill. Uh, I got a, I got a, 
bill for seven thousand dollars from 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 a car company, and it's like, yeah, you you know you defaulted on your lease and you never returned the car. <laughs> I was like, what? And they they faxed me this thing, and it's Damn. like he had put my signature as a co. You know, I I, yeah. I guaranteed the lease for him. I couldn't find him. I had no idea where he was. So I had to I had to write off the thing with I had to pay pay it down with Fuck. with the car company, and my credit was shot for yeah. seven years because of that. It's brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. So I think I think the military. I think some of the, this that stuff was like seeking stability because I didn't have it. That was very unstable. So yeah. the counterbalance to that is to try to get some stability by. Yeah, you know, the military and working and the things and the jobs. And I mean, like myself, the people know me and I'm probably talked about a million times on the, uh, this podcast and on social media and just in my lyrics and just in life is that did you kind of seek other father figures in the hardcore scene, like maybe Kevin Seconds or Ian Mackay or these other people that like had this message you could relate to and they mm-hmm. kind of look up to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and, and that's that's what I always, like. Like Ernie was like that to me. Timmy was. Yeah. You know, these are guys, I, I could follow them and do what they're doing. Yeah, I could still be my own person. They were my friends. But yeah. but yeah, you looked up to guys like, you know, like, like Kevin and Ian yeah, and, and, yeah. and these dudes. Like, these are prophets. Yeah. 100%. They're you all know? prophets. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, Black Train Jack's broken up. Uh, he's starting Nine Lives. Started playing shows with Nine Lives. How long does that last for? That, that kept going. It was, you know, it, it never really, like, really picked up steam. But we, we just kept going and having fun with it. Um, and then, you know, I was still in the in the reserves and yeah. stuff. And then things got very different, you know, when, when 9-11 happened. Yes. I, I, had, I had left the snowboard industry because in the winters I was working like six days a week, seven days a week. And we were supposed to be playing shows. Okay. So that did not afford me the time to play shows. So yeah. I said, let me, let me get a, like a regular job where I'm working like nine to five during the week so I could have my weekends to, to be first I wanted to become a teacher I started my graduate okay. degree in education but oh, I hated that okay <laughs> because I wanted to have the summers off I'm like oh my god I can have the summers off yeah. and tour oh this is great and then it's like no I am not a good teacher where where was where, where that point in your life you tried doing that were you in, were you in Black Train Jack were you not, when did you try to do that that was that was yeah that was Black Train Jack before Black Train Jack you know okay. picked up I had come back from my officer basic course in the army I had a little extra money I said you know what I'm gonna get myself a graduate degree in education so that I have that because Ernie had been working to be a teacher. Got you. And I'm like, this is a perfect career because he could, you could tour all summer long. That's and that's amazing. what you do, right? Yeah. So, but I didn't like it. Ugh. Um, and he became a teacher though, correct? He, he was a teacher and okay. he, he taught Catholic school, a couple like he taught art and stuff wow. like that. But he had a skill. Yeah. That guy could teach you how to play music. He could teach you how to, I could teach you how to, you know, not do anything. I, I, I didn't yeah. have a skill like that, you know? This is how you mop a floor, kind of. Tie a good knot. Look, I can't even tie good. <laughs> this is how you could tie a knot, and you guarantee shoes would guarantee to fall off. But um, I'll try. So that didn't go with the teacher's Then stuff, the yeah. teacher didn't. So, so I started working. Um, so in the Army Reserves, there was a job as a Department of Defense civilian working for my reserve unit as their security manager. Okay. And that meant that you know I would make sure that people in the unit had their security clearances and yeah. make sure the building was taken care of yeah. and all this stuff. So I did it and it was great because it wasn't the hardest job in the world, but it was still like a professional. It was, you know, did okay. Mm-hmm. And I told him, hey, look, sometimes I go on tour. And this is when cell phones just started getting mainstream. Yep. So I was like, I said, can I possibly go on tour and like telecommute and like work from the road? If yeah. you can get your job done, sure. So it afforded me a lot of freedom to do what I needed to do. Um, 
But then when 9-11 happened, it was like, okay, now you're the security manager. They plopped me on, you know, active duty in the reserves. Wow. It was, we went, we, uh, we went down and worked at ground zero doing like building clearing and helping with the search stuff from like from September 12th on. And that was very, I mean, you want to talk about I a, can't imagine. a crazy time. I mean, so that was pretty nuts. Um, and yeah, that was pretty crazy. And we knew some stuff was going down. Um, we knew some stuff was going to start to happen it must overseas. Have been stressful and scary. It and was very scary. Just everything, right? Very scary. And you and saw some crazy shit, probably. I've never seen anything like that in my life, nor do I ever want to see that again. It was horrible, but because it's your home, yeah, you know, and you're looking at, you know, the, the literally the morning before or the morning of, I had driven past that on my because I was living in Brooklyn at the time, yeah, and I drove across the Brooklyn Bridge and I went downtown. I just happened to end up going right past the Trade Center, yeah. and then I had to go up to work, and my unit was in the Bronx, and then that day it was just horrible, yeah. But um, so. Then you know, I, we knew that stuff was going on. We didn't get deployed to Afghanistan, but we did some work to support it. Okay. And we still kept playing shows. You yeah. know, we did stuff, you know, Nine Lives. Yeah, we were having a good time. Um, and then we were playing a show in Pennsylvania. And I remember I got a call and they're like, you're being mobilized. Yeah, you're going to Iraq. And wow. that was in probably like October 2000. Too. How did you feel at that moment? Were you, were you nervous? Were you scared? I was pretty nerve-wracking nerve yeah. because, you know, especially in the reserves, you do this stuff, and at the time, and people had been deployed to Bosnia and stuff like that, but you're yeah. not, you don't think, there's no war. Yeah. I'm, not going, I'm not going to war. And yeah. now all of a sudden, like, oh, my God. Now I have to go, and I'm going to be responsible for a team of guys doing Dude. some stuff in a war. And if yeah. they get killed, it's on me. And so it was weird. And, uh, but... You know, and at the at the time, so so we went so we went. I went to Iraq. Yeah. Uh, early two thousand three, to uh, like early two thousand four. Okay. And that was that. But um, it was crazy. But what was really cool is that a guy on my team happened to had previously he was from Jersey. This guy Mike, and he played Nine Lives a little bit too when oh, Rusty shit. was. And when he when he came back okay. from the war, we got together because he had worked with, with Quicksand before and yeah. some other bands. So in Iraq, we actually found a way to get a bass and a guitar, and he he got a little four no track, way. and we we recorded some songs in Iraq. Holy shit! Yeah, I got to play them for you sometime. They're Dude, funny. That's amazing. Yeah, we had a we had a, you know it was interesting. Um, wow. We had a pretty unique situation out there. It was we were a. a in a special operations team. So we had our own place and we had, you know, whenever we had any free time, that's what we would do is just try to make some music. Yeah. Being stay inspired and stay like making me. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, man. it was cool. I mean, most of what we did was a lot of post combat stuff of, you know, after the, the combat was relatively short. And yeah. then after that, it was, uh, you know, rebuilding towns and villages and getting money to fund like clinics and, water treatment centers and schools and internet centers to, you know, you know, you were there for a year. I was there for a year. I'll tell you what wow. I, I, you know, knowing what we know today about why we went in, it's very upsetting to know that you spent a year of your life and, you know, over there for something that we were probably there for the wrong reasons. Gotcha. But, you know, while we were there for whatever role we played, we just tried to help people. Yeah. You know, we were in a, we were, we were in a unit that did a lot of like that, you know, helping yeah. as opposed to fighting. Yeah. So, you know, 
Yeah, that was so that was good. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that was uh saw some things over there and dealt with some things over there is pretty You just wanted to help people. That's yeah. it. Like, you know, we were we were we were lucky to be up in northern Iraq with the Kurds where there wasn't a lot of you know, there wasn't the combat with you know with the Iraqis and there wasn't the mm-hmm. real anti US thing going on when we were first there. Yeah. Um all you saw were people that you know the Kurds had been really, really screwed by Saddam Hussein. He okay. used nerve agent on the you know, the Kurds up there, and you know we saw people who just like were desperate to get in touch with people, their families yeah. in Europe and around the world. So we, we we were able to get funding from USAID to to build a little uh, internet center. Okay, you know this is before wow, dude. you know. So now these people, yeah. a little internet cafe. That's what we did, and yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that did more because now people can like, oh, my God, I can email. Totally. I can create an email address and email my cousin who lives yeah. in Germany and maybe get them to sponsor me to leave here and go there. That's crazy. You know, it was an interesting, very interesting time. And, time. and you know, it definitely changes you because now suddenly you're responsible for people's lives and it's real. Like, you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm responsible for I, this, if these kids die, it's because of me. Because I didn't man. do something right, so it's heavy. How old were you then when you went in there? Thirty-five. Okay. Yeah. So that was it. So that's heavy, man. Thirty-four. Yeah, thirty-four, thirty-three. I was. And then when he came back, <laughs> were you? How were you shell shocked when he came back after a year to America? No, and, it was. It was. It just you know you really develop an appreciation for how lucky that you are for yeah. even when things suck. I mean, look, everything is contextual. You know. Yeah. Someone, if someone's very, very fortunate, if they can't find the right pair of shoes to wear, that might be a tragedy for them. But that's in their life context. And if yeah. they haven't been exposed to things that are different, you know, like it just it, it just helps you really put things in context and see. And also to learn, like when I was over there, the one thing that really resonated was that the people, all they want to do is just live in peace, man. Mm. There's a very, very small percentage of very bad people most of the people are very good. They just want to live in safety and security and have their family and have their kids do better than they did. Yeah. And that's it. They And yeah. they, it doesn't matter who, they don't care about what's going on with, oh, bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, and the Americans. They don't care. They just want to live and be yeah. in peace. Yeah. And you got to respect that more than anything. I want to live in peace too. Me too. Oh my! I want my son to have everything better than I had too. Exactly, and that's all they want, you yeah. know. And maybe they go about it differently. They got like a farm in a little village somewhere, but yeah, that's what they do. And most people, what what really sucks is, you know, it, it's the it's the fringes and the and the governments and the 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 greed that that screws things up. When most people, all they want to do is just live in peace. Yeah, and you saw that firsthand, witnessed it, and probably yeah. opened your eyes and opened your heart a lot. It sure did. Like to make you who you are today, and um. Fuck, man. So that was... When did you get back from that? What year was that? 90... I don't know. I got back from that in 2004. 2004. Holy shit. Yeah. And I kept working with the unit and stayed involved with the, you know, with the snowboard industry and everything like that. And, you know, just to to me, I just wanted to always have fun. Yeah. You know, even, you know, in Iraq, like, you know, one of the guys was like laying there. We would have, we would have Fridays. I would give my, I gave my guys Friday off because Friday was like... In, in, in that area of the world, that's like their Sunday, yeah. right? So I gave them off. You know, like someone would be laying there and you're laying in the sun. You would take like, you would unload a pistol and put it on their stomach so they'd get a sunburn except there'd be like a silhouette of a pistol oh on their stomach. God, you know? Dude, Dumb things like that. You'd put like a piece of tape over their lips so they'd have like a suntan mustache. Oh. <laughs> you know. 
but all, 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 all stuff. But but I, you know, it's really good to learn how to screw with people from being in a band. Oh, for sure. You know, and I learned a lot. Of some band, of the stuff yeah. I did it was like this. That's the direct ripoff from Sick of It All, and watching yeah. what they did to each other. Hundred percent. You know, putting the little, the little Hershey's crackle wrappers in like every little shoe and every little crevice when someone's cracking on tour, you know, to oh, see yeah. like, you know, anyway. Fuck, man. So would you consider yourself an optimist or a pessimist? I consider myself an optimist. Obviously. I can get pretty angry at things like, you know, I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things about the mind that you just don't know. I don't think that, you know, being in the war or whatever did this, that, or the other thing or the stuff with my dad. I think, yeah. I, I think I'm pretty well adjusted, but I bet there's some shit like... Big things, like when there's big problems, I can be really level-headed. But like yeah. sometimes little things, I just go through the roof. Yeah. Like stupid. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck did you get so but upset? you've always been a positive person. I've always system. been pretty yeah. positive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you know, just wanted to be happy and have fun and be positive and have help others yeah. be that way. This yeah. is time to be serious. And, and, you know, you take work hard, play hard, right? Yeah, 100%. Do you have any regrets in your life? Um. I I, reg- I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Because I'm pretty happy right now. I mean, yeah. but, you know, do, I, what would have happened? Could Black Train Jack have done like great things and maybe been more of an influence to more people and yeah. been still doing it today? Like you guys yeah. doing H2O, maybe. That's a, but who knows? You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't really have regrets because you can't see the future. Yeah. And you just have to be, you know, you have to, whatever happens, whether it's bad, good, or otherwise, you have to say, how is this, how is this going to have a positive outcome? Like, yeah, you know, okay, my band ended. What can come positively out of this? It gives me an opportunity to do X, Y, Z that yeah. I couldn't have done before because I had the band. It gives me an opportunity to do a different band. It gives me an opportunity to experience something oh, right. else. You know, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, a, a regret for I don't, know, I don't know what the fuck I was saying at that moment sorry I spaced on that one <laughs> it's okay you're the professional you can space <laughs> no I know I'm trying to think we should cover because we talked for an hour and 26 minutes it's really wonderful we co- oh yeah a um, couple things real quick <laughs> before we have to go we're going to get tattoos what do you mean we have to go we're going to get to be at the tattoo shop an hour and a half yeah but doesn't this take priority it does we can't be late for a tattoo appointment we're going to do part two then okay uh, but we're at an hour and a half that's really great all right um, two things we should talk about real quick I have a Black Train Jack tattoo because I love your band I have an H2O um, tattoo. And Brian plays bass for us on many tours. He's filled in where he played bass and Adam plays guitar. I don't know if anybody ever saw that lineup with a big, tall guy playing guitar and a little short guy playing bass. That's yeah, but I got a Brian. small bass. See, see, he's got to get a bigger guitar and I got to get a smaller bass. But it does look it does look funny. Very but strange. But pardon the funny look, but I got to tell you, that is some of the best experiences. And I got to tell you, Thank you. I got to thank you guys because when, when I was able to do that with you guys and still knowing that that, you know, occasionally happens, that is the coolest thing, man. It's so, it's so much fun. We took it to South America, right? Colombia? We did. We did South America and we did Europe. That's right. And then we did East. We did the Midwest. That was yeah. the, the Alkaline Trio. Oh, that's right. Holy shit. Stuff. So and if you seen like a guy on stage, like who is that little guy? This is Brian right here, ladies and gentlemen. That's me. He's and very, very, pr- it's an honor to be part of the H2O family. I'm, I'm honored to have you. And I'm happy that like we, we've stayed friends since 1988 and through all the years. And now we're dads with kids. It's but super cool. It's crazy to see it. And now you're in California and we're out here together. It's What's really funny is, amazing. you know, you always wonder, like I remember... You know, you'd, I'd be at a show, and sometimes it's like one of these things that come in and out of your head. Like, am I going to be like this when I'm fifty? What am I going <laughs> to, you know, what will it be like when I get old? Exactly. You know, will I still sentence. hop on my bike and ride around town? Exactly. Will I, you know, right? And you will. Yeah, we well, do. we do take scooters. But yeah. but then you know, and, and you see you see the way people, the way we've developed, 
and you see people from from the hardcore scene that might have been like an obscure kid, like, oh my God, they have this company now and they're doing this and that yeah. and this guy's doing this. And the whole DIY ethic and, and the, the positivity, like you see people have become like... It, you know, you want to talk about an interesting psychological study is the effect of being in a positive, the positive hardcore movement from a youngster to, to being an, an older kid. That's and pretty you, true, actually. I mean, it's it's amazing what that whole what that whole feeling and, you know, and and what caused that these pioneers like guys like Ian and Kevin yeah, and know, Dave, the, these guys that that I mean, that really changed people's lives. It really did. Man. It made you who you are. God I mean, knows you would have been. I don't know. You would have been a mess. I, I would have would. been a train wreck yeah. too. It's it, it's the time. I, I feel like it's the timing. It was our household. It was the rules we may, may, may not have had at the moment. Because I feel like every single person I've interviewed about this music that we all come from, nobody had a complete normal American family. Nobody had the perfect stability. Nobody had the perfect income. Nobody had the perfect... Yeah, but you know what? I think I no, think that that like, I think that the perfect American family is a myth. Everyone's 100%. got struggles going on, 100%. and you know that's that's another thing I've learned. It took a while to learn, but man, you just never judge because that kid that you think might have the perfect family, guaranteed they're carrying around a burden that you could not even comprehend. Yeah, no such, I was going to say there's no such thing as it, and all the people I know all come from those non-perfect families. Yeah. you know what I mean, like either single parent or parent passed away and we all met in the hardcore scene and we all mm -hmm. became parents and we all became doing things and we, we, we use all that what we learned from those lyrics and this music in our everyday life as adults we're almost 50 me and you and we still love this shit mm -hmm. and it still means something to us and we hear those songs and those memories and all that shit it's like well, it's, I, it's a special type of thing. You know, know? and it, it would be easy I think it would be easy for a lot of people to look and see like the resurgence of a lot of these old bands yeah. to be like negative and cynical about it and say you know but I'll tell you what it was a very special time, yes. a very special thing. And if kids, if, if younger kids today can get even a sliver of that by seeing some of these bands I on tour. I love it. I mean, I think that is the greatest thing in the world it. because it was a life changing thing for you and for me. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have known each other if it wasn't for music. Exactly. Um, and we got to see these bands back then. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that kids get to see them now. And they get to appreciate it and respect the roots and the history. Yeah. Of it and, 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 you know, look, you know, people could be negative about it, but I'm telling you, I think it's, I think it's great. And to see kids, you know, makes the kids start their own band yeah. and who knows what they're going to become. And, yeah. you know, as long as it's, you know, about good things and spreading a good message and positivity, yeah. the hardcore scene. And we talked about this the first time we did it and it came out crappy, but like, that was always the coolest thing where it, it's, it's so much, it's more, it's more than the, the music. It, it's, it's a whole, it's everything else around it. Yeah. Right, it's everything, man. And and, and it, it gave people it gave people from different kinds of backgrounds, whether you were poor, whether you were well off, whether you were from a, a family with two parents or one or no parents. It gave Every you race, everything, everything. No, no, you know, color free, prejudice yeah. free. Yeah a positive place to be man and i thank everyone for letting me yeah, in and, and I, <laughs> I feel like the people that stayed away from because on the outside look violent and scary i i feel i wish i wish they could have came and checked it out because i know from an outside perspective we look like a bunch of freaks jumping on each other tackling each other screaming sweaty it looks crazy and violent which it is sometimes but it's a really it's what it looks like and what it really is is something so well, different. Yeah, and look, like anything else, nothing is a true utopia, right? Everything yeah. has its problems. Everything has its bad apples. But overall, it's it's a great a great 
scene to come up in. And even for me, like I'm, I consider myself so lucky, even have been, having been on the periphery more like I was. Yeah. It was just the, the best thing in the world. Yeah. I feel like me and you both got a lot of the same things out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's why same, we're still friends. Exactly. The same inspirations and the same values and all that. And uh, yeah, man, I, I shit. We did a lot. I've known you for 30. Did you say you shit with years. me a lot? What? Did you say you shit with me a lot? No. I never shit with you before. No, I've seen you shit. I've before. seen you shit before. No, too, likewise. Though. All right. Um, so yeah, Brian. So the people listening, man, Brian, Brian, Black Train Jack. You can check out all the Black Train Rack records and Nine Lives and see this guy's history. You can just go on your phone and do that. You don't have to look at a <laughs> record thank you list or. Can I can I tell you a coffee story? Sure. This is Ernie's dad. Got me to drink coffee. I thought it was the most gross thing, like you did. Mm-hmm. And Ernie's dad. It was a cool little old Spanish guy. And he's like, Brian, you got it. I try coffee. It's the best. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. And he said, no, no, no. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you a coffee. This is what got me into it. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I, okay. And he made, he made like this Cafe Bustelo, a little espresso in this old school espresso machine. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 no. Watch. He put a little cup, put a little sugar in it. And your dog is either farting on me or kicking okay, me gently. Yeah. It feels like rhythmic. She's a podcast master. It's great. It's and, and, and I smell like dog. And he cut this little sliver of lime rind. Yeah. Squeezed it in there and put it in there. And it's like, just taste this. And I did. And it was really good. And I was okay. like, Mr. Parada, I'm I'm in. Yeah. And that was it. It was it was it was a love affair. And descendants didn't inspire you to drink coffee. Well, but then and then I was like, Oh yeah. Well, I drink coffee now. So of course <laughs> a bonus cup. Uh, you know, it, do we have time? Can I keep talking to you? We can keep talking, but you have to drive, you drive my car, you can drive. I'll fast. drive your car. Yeah. Mommy, come um, with us, babe. So I had, I was working at a snowboard shop. Yeah. And I had, I had gotten a Descendants bonus cup. Got you. I but remember at the that. Time, but at the time, that. they were making big ones. It was like a big okay. insulated mug is yep. a bonus cup. And I had it. And I put it down in a spot where you could put things where no one's going to touch them. Yeah. And I put it down and I left it because I, I, I went home. I went over to practice, yeah. something like that. Came back the next day. It's gone. I said, oh, someone must have put it in the back or something. Looking around, bonus cup is gone. Now, they weren't easy to get. No, they were I had a bonus cup. I remember those. And it was a special thing. Yeah, it was a special thing. And there was this, there was a kid who, who worked at, at the front of the store. And he's like, I was like, did anyone, I, I was like almost in tears. Did anyone see my bonus cup? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, that was yours? It's like, what do you mean it was mine? He goes, well, it was just left there full of like this half drunk coffee. It's like, so? So I threw it away. It's like, you threw away my bonus cups. Like, yeah. And he must have been so pissed. I, well, I was, I fired him. You did? Well, yeah, because he gave, because, <laughs> uh, because first of all, because that should, to me, to expand on it, this guy does not have respect for somebody else's property. No, you know, you see a half drinking, a half drunk cup of coffee. You don't throw the mug away. You dump the coffee it's out and so then you dumb. rinse it out. You leave it for someone else. Yeah, you you threw fired. it away. And there was more to it because then I, you know, I started. I said, "Hey, look, man, you can't." You know, I was very upset and I tried to keep it down. Yeah. But you could probably see the steam coming out of my ears. I'm like, you can't throw away someone else's property because you don't feel like you want to see a cup of coffee there. And he started getting in my face about it. And I was a manager there at the time. And I'm like, dude, you're treading on very, Damn. very thin ice. And so I go, yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to fire you. You're going to fire me? Yes. Get out now. You bonus Holy cup throw <laughs> Get out. 
That's fucking crazy. So maybe that's one guy that doesn't like the Descendants, but I'm sorry. It was cool to talk about coffee back then, too, because nobody was really singing about coffee. No, it was, was very really cool. Amazing. Descendants were so much fun. That was, yeah. another, like, man, that, <laughs> I love I love that band. I still got Me a little too, Milo man. bobblehead on my desk. I, I, I That was, because you know what it was? It was just, it was fun, positive energy. Pop, too. It was poppy, too. That's like OG where did you where did you first hear Descendants? Uh, I saw them in Rhode Island. That was uh, the first time. The first their first album tour, my brothers. You know you know what it was for me, the the Vision Psycho Skate video Gosh, or Psycho you, Stick, I is, yeah. and I'm not a cool guy. Oh, no, I'm not was a not cool, cool guy, guy anymore. anymore. That and, was and, the first out of town band I've ever seen. It oh was my a local god, band in Rhode Island. Yeah, I heard them on that on that VCR tape. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, and that got me into this. Would you consider them the all. first original? Pop punk besides Ramones, like really poppy love songs. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, because they had such a cool mix of of backgrounds and yeah. where they came from, and you know, and and Bill's drumming with that, that that's the surf style mixed with the energy, you know, yeah. and, and Steph. It was just such a cool. The Misfits had, the Misfits had like a doo pop kind of vibe, the melodies. Yeah, and then um, I feel like Descendants was just Ramones, obviously the. Totally, but the real yeah. But like, Ramones were more of like a full like rock vibe yeah. with the, with the, with the mel- melodic rock. But the Descendants for for pop punk was like totally like love songs and girls and coffee Silly and girl, farts. I mean they grapes, they legitimize sour grapes would give me. I mean Dude. that was I mean that's the soundtrack of your life, right? Yeah, mine. Tell you what, you know, and a, a lot of bad taste. But I mean, the, taste, le- legitimized farting. Grapes. And yeah, I, I, I always had trouble. I was I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant for many, many years. So I would eat ice cream and have cereal in the morning. I'd be farting all day. And then when Descendants came around, I'm like, oh, now I'm cool. I can <laughs> fart I, I, at, on command. I can shit my pants. They might have been lactose too. You never know. It, it could have been. But that was maybe. That was something. But I'll tell you, you know, I, and I know you, you say it too, and I know I'm going to forget names, but... God, do I owe a debt of gratitude to people who and and some of them have become our friends, right? Yeah, man. Like like Kevin and yeah. Dave, and you talk yep. to Ian, like these guys, but they'll never got like you know, and like Bad Religion and Descendants and Minor Threat and Dag Nasty and and JFA and Gorilla Biscuits yeah. and I mean, throw out some more names, right? Bands I know I'm gonna be in the Ramones yeah. Yeah. and and other bands and. I, I love the Luna Chicks, man. Yeah. I, you know, uh, God, I'd love them. And <laughs> I, like, I had a crush on on Squid. It's all good. I did. I did. What up, Squid? She should know. Anyway, yeah, she's awesome. I still think she's an awesome person. Great what is super play, bass player, right? Bass player, yeah, so it. cool. Shout and out she, to Luna Chicks, man. A great band, man. And and they're and they're great doing band. and she's doing great stuff today too. It's awesome, right? Like like motivational stuff, oh, helping right. people. It's awesome. But um, all these bands that. You know, you you'd never. Some people seek inspiration from other things that are yeah. far out and untouchable and unreachable. But this was something that you could live. These were our Tony Robbins. And and my God, well, I could. I just you know, thank God for you having me on here. Thank you for having me on the, course, the pie. It's an honor to, to be your friend and, and to be on here. And you had a little bit of you. You got high on your your three grams of coffee that you drank. <laughs> but it, oh, before we go, we got one story to tell about Joe Vasion, the guy who does my podcast. Wait, you didn't let me say thank you. Go ahead. I wanted to say thank you to all these people. A sincere, like, from the heart and soul, right? I mean, you say it a lot, and it, but it's so true. 
and and if you're listening and just experience new bands and if you can get the vinyl and see the thanks list on these old records just experience different bands and have fun or oh, just go to google man. too yeah yeah but that's mm. i know people don't do that anymore though i know because <laughs> it's going to be algorithms and then all of a sudden they're going to be seeing bad bands i don't know yeah anyway anyway stick with the thanks list let's get the joe vision story real quick joe vision was Stella? What are you doing? Joe I'm sorry. Is, I think Stella's giving me the "It's time to stop" kick. Shout out to Joe Vasion who edits my podcast for me. My man Joe, from Queens. We got a good story about you, real we quick. We were we were recording for Nine Lives at someone's like a a, a, a studio in Brooklyn. It was up a couple of flights of yep. stairs, and Joe's up there. I was like, God, God, I don't feel good. God, I can't. I'm just out of breath. I don't feel good. And it's like sitting there against the wall. I'm like, Are you okay, man? He's like, Ah, oh, just. I feel really weak. I'm out of breath. Now, granted, he helped us carry, you know, yes. like the, the Ampeg refrigerator base cabinet up the stairs. And, you know, and then he's like, I, I go to the doctor. He went to the doctor and he had a fucking collapsed lung. Wow. And I don't know how it happened. And I don't know if he knows how it happened to this day. His yeah. lung just collapsed. I have to give him the podcast and ask him what happened. Just don't, just don't ask him to do heavy work because so his lung collapsed, right? There. His That's lung scary. collapsed. That's, That's a really scary, scary yeah. thing. But wow. that was the Joe Vasion story. Did you Guy, watch him to the hospital or anything or no? No. He said, okay, he's gone. Keep recording. Yeah. He, I mean, we didn't realize what had happened. And yeah. at the time, you know, oh, what do you mean your lung collapsed? Get it, reinflate it. Come back. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know know what the hell it was. But anyway. Shout out to Joe Vasion. If you guys see anybody selling merch on tour with us anytime in America, he wears glasses. It's Joe Vasion, little guy from Queens. Shout out to Joe. A lot, see, a lot of little partner. guys. Little guys. We guys are Queens. Little guy. But yeah, and Joe, he may look unfriendly but he's very friendly yeah, he's the best he's got a big heart well i appreciate you, his big heart life. must have squished his other lung i appreciate you, my life our friendship <laughs> we've had this many years writing each other letters our bands playing together you playing with h2o your band inspiring my band likewise um keeping it positive keeping the melodies and the core um all that shit man thank you for being who you are too man you've done thank a lot you. of great things and it's super cool to see you come up from you know you know, I watched it from the outside too. Like, you know, this is the guy that was the out crowd roadie with the crazy, like weird dreadlocks. And, <laughs> and, and now we're still, we're still friends, you know? Yeah. And just seeing what you've become and, and your, your kid and, you know, Max is amazing and your Thank family you, and, and my, it's just, it's just the best. I'm really glad we're out here with you now yeah, too. I'm really happy to have you out here. Man. I'm very happy to have you in California. Um, it's good to have a friend that you, there's knowing you that many years. It's actually out here with you. Cause I have a lot of friends out here too. And friends from the East coast, but me and you had a, connection for many years since i was 18 so it's amazing man. Yeah. i'm super proud of you, everything you've done in your life too and what you've contributed to the hardcore scene and all the music you've done and what you're giving back to as your job trying to keep this planet safe and these, all of us humans safe and the animals and is every living thing that you protect I appreciate. <laughs> it was the past but you know <laughs> it was it was uh, it was a good run and it was just for the right reasons but anyway yeah man, i mean yeah man it's all everything's good it's a nice yeah. shirt you got on by the way yeah, I'm right now I'm wearing an original Dag Nasty shirt that Doug Carrion gave me at lunch last Friday. I don't know the date exactly, but it's a Can I Say shirt that's never been worn. It was in a box his brother had saved. Now it's been really worn for like four days straight. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a 35-year-old original Dag Nasty shirt. It was in a box, and he gave it to me on Friday. I have not taken it off. I wear it every day until my wife peels it off my body. <laughs> but it's such an honor. It smells vintage. I love that smell. It it's smells like, more than vintage now. It's like the screen printing tag. It's green teas from the 80s. And I just, wow. I'm truly honored. And we're about to get off this podcast. So we're going to go Orange County. We're all going to get Dag Nasty tattoos today. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, listen, I've been getting really, really amazing feedback from all types of people, all walks of life about this podcast. I just, 
I'm very, very overwhelmed with the responses I get. I basically put it out on Mondays and post about it on my page and on One Life One Chance page, and I'm going to start working on getting some videos to go with all this audio and the response and reaction to this podcast that I was super nervous about putting out this year. I just put out, started putting out this year. The reactions and the connections and the questions and the stuff I'm getting, it's really overwhelming, and I'm super happy. Um, I love putting it out. I love talking to my friends and having this therapeutic conversations with all these people who who inspire me and these people have touched my life in certain ways and so thank you guys for listening sincerely this has been very fun i can't wait to get all these other episodes out um i got a lot of people lined up i'm gonna be talking to and um yeah i appreciate everybody's support and brian thanks for always supporting me as my friend every everything i've been involved in my whole life so that's what it's about yeah this is awesome man i think i'm coming down from the coffee now that's why there's still more here i can take a nap in the whip Okay, love you guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you, Brian. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.